spiritual warfare. And the only way that we can find comfort and peace and no anxiety during this time is through the working of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. Uh, if we're going to find aid and we're going to find comfort during these extremely troubling and I believe last days, it is going to be the Holy Spirit that is going to provide it. Uh, I have heard, and actually I've said on many, many occasions, and I've heard just about every one of you say it, as a reminder to sort of calm that anxiety that, that's going on, that uh, the Lord is on His throne. And amen, He is on His throne. That's certain. I've heard so many of us say, God is in control. Well, yeah, you're right. God is in control. But do you know who He's using to control those fears, that anxiety, uh, that discouragement is the Holy Spirit. I want, us to, I want you to think of this for a second. And this week as I was preparing for this, this thought came to me, and I haven't fully worked it out in my heart or in my mind, but I believe it to be, I believe it to be true, um, at least in what we need to get our minds around this fact. We start out every worship service saying, Maranatha, our Lord comes. And we're hoping he does. Our blessed hope is the rapture of the church. We're wanting to walk with the Lord Jesus in glory. Amen. We want heaven. We're looking forward to heaven. We can't wait to lay eyes on the Lord Jesus. We sing face to face with my Redeemer, face to face. We, we sing songs constantly about walking with the Lord, seeing the Lord. The Holy Spirit's here now. God is with us. He indwells us. He empowers us. He comforts us. He's here with us now. We can trust Him to take those fears and remove them, take that anxiety and ease it. And I think we need to get our minds around, we need to focus on that truth that God is with us. As a matter of fact, the, uh, Emmanuel, when we worship the Lord Jesus, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus means Jehovah, our Savior. And the Holy Spirit is, He's that part of the Trinity. And I say He because it's, it's a He, it's not a It. He is part of that Trinity, the Godhead. He's here to comfort, and this morning I want us to look at the different scriptures that talk about his role in our daily lives and the hope and the comfort and the peace that knowing Christ brings as the Holy Spirit does his work in our lives. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter or first John chapter four. First John chapter four, verse one. First John chapter four, verse one. Beloved, 
Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. When John was writing this, this was an issue then. You remember John's writing to the dispersia, to uh, the Jews, the nation of Israel that were in dispersia, writing to the circumcision, but at the same time it was a true statement. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now there are a lot of folks whose doctrine I disagree with and we can sit down and we can have loving and beneficial doctrinal discussions. And I've had people say, well, I don't even think that group of people are saved because of blah, 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 blah. You know, they disagree. And what the Scripture tells us, if this group can say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that that's the Spirit of God, they have the Spirit of God. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. You want to you test the Spirit of God? You want to know that the Spirit of God is active? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. But every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Way back then, that spirit of Antichrist was alive and well and causing damage. Now, this is not the beast that's coming during the tribulation. That is a different... He's Antichrist. But the book of Revelation describes the beast... This is just that spirit of Antichrist. And folks, I am telling you, there is a spirit of Antichrist in the world today that were it not for the Holy Spirit that's doing its work in our lives, it should cause us all to want to go run and hide under a rock someplace. Because there is evil in the land. There are those that are working in contact contradiction to the word of God and I'm here to tell you and you already know this that right has become wrong and wrong has become right we need to face that fact and we need to stand up and preach God's word the way we have been doing but look at verse 4 this is the verse that I want you to pay attention to verse 4 you are of God little children and have overcome them Here it is, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who indwells you at this very moment? It's the Holy Spirit. He fills you, he empowers you, he comforts you, he leads you, he directs you. At least that's my prayer. If Christ is in your heart, if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and by faith you can believe that. And I guarantee you, when these difficult times, when these troubling times, when these anxiety-filled times come, when we turn our attention to the Word of God, when we look to God, it is a, the, the promise that the Holy Spirit will give that peace that passes understanding We can claim it, we can expect it, because he never fails. 
The Holy Spirit is working. He's doing His thing in our lives this very moment. And as believers, during these very trying and troubling times, we need to focus our attention on the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that indwells us for that strength and that power and even that attitude. Because i got to tell you, my attitude at times gets pretty bad when I start thinking of all the stuff that's going on. And there's kind of a bitterness that, that dwells up. There's kind of a, an anxiety that, that festers. And that's not what God would have us do. That's not the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes, standing against certain things, but we need to understand that our strength, that the power that we have to face all that's coming at us, and that's not just now, but that's in the future. We have the Holy Spirit to empower us, and we need to focus on that. The Holy Spirit, He is actively working in this world at this very moment. The miracles are transpiring around the world this very moment. As I'm up here preaching, the power of the Holy Spirit is moving on a lost sinner's heart and convicting them that they need Christ as their Savior. That's happening right now. Maybe it's happening even here. That's my prayer. That around the world, the Holy Spirit is convicting that lost sinner, not so much of their sin as their need for the Savior. He is moving on their heart. Right now, there are people trusting Christ. The Christian is under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, and they are repenting and crying out to God at this very moment. That's the Holy Spirit that's moving. Right this very moment, there are Christians praying. We just prayed, and as we prayed, as we're going to see, we don't really know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit, when we pray with certainty, is praying on our behalf. I've heard from several of you who have said, Pastor, I, we're praying and it just doesn't seem as if anything, nothing is happening. It doesn't seem as if my prayers are getting past the ceiling. Let me tell you, yes, they are. Because the Holy Spirit, according to God's Word, is taking that, that broken heart, those pleas, that anxiety, those stresses, and it's the Holy Spirit that takes our prayer request before the throne of grace before the throne of God. That's one of the jobs, that's one of the workings of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we understand that the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf because we don't know how to pray. Right this moment, the Holy Spirit is baptizing some folks into the body of Christ. The Spirit baptism is taking place right now as the Holy Spirit takes that person and baptizes them. Right now, the Holy Spirit is comforting those individuals, perhaps those believers who've lost hope. 
They're not sure which direction they're going to go. It's the Holy Spirit that's bringing comfort to their heart and empowering them to go on and to trust Him. The Holy Spirit is alive and He is at work at this moment. And folks, He's at work in your life. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you have been made that new creation, the Holy Spirit indwells you, He empowers you. God has not given us the spirit of fear. You say, but yeah, but there's a lot of fearful things out there that are happening. God's Word tells us to be anxious for nothing. Okay, those are really nice words, but how does that happen? It's the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to quote those verses, to believe those verses, to embrace those verses. I've had some people tell me that we just need to see more evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. Um, we need to get back to Pentecost. I had somebody tell me a while back, we need to get back to, oh, no, you don't, no, you don't want that. You don't want that. Well, we need some see some manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We need to see people speaking in some. We need to see some. We need to see some. We need to see some. If we were, if we were seeing, if we were, if we were seeing, if we were, if we were seeing those manifestations of the Holy Spirit, why think of how that would change the world? Well, did it? Did it? When, when those manifestations were going to the nation of Israel, when the prophets had talked about, here's what you can expect when the Messiah comes, here's what you can watch for when the Messiah comes, and this is going to be evidence that the Messiah is here, Israel. You ask for signs, you, want, you ask for wonders, and I'm going to do it here or all. They're going to speak with tambouring, stammering tongues. You're going to see this empowering. You're going to... You're going to see all of these things taking place, and you'll know that the Messiah is here. And they said, oh, wow, okay, that's great. We'll do that. No, they didn't. As a matter of fact, as we're going to see, all of those sign gifts, those manifestations of the Spirit, uh, they were for the nation of Israel. And early on for the church, the early church, in order to convince Israel that God was saving the Gentiles. He was doing a work in the Gentiles because if, if what he told Israel was coming when the Messiah came, if those things were starting to happen to the Gentiles, that was a stark revelation that God was doing something differently. And that was what was taking place. But when people say, we just need to see more gifts of healing transpiring, why, we just need to see more funerals where the dead just rise up and, and uh, why people would start believing. Well, no, they wouldn't. We, we need to see more services where people are, are speaking in tongues. And Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to tell you why you don't want that. First of all, when you have signs and wonders when you have those manifestations of power that were taking place back then and people were accepting those and believing those was that were they believing by faith 
or were they believing by sight? You see somebody raised from the dead, that's no longer faith. You see somebody that's sick and crippled and blind, having their, their sight restored, that's no longer a faith. And that was for the nation of Israel as an indication that your Messiah was here. Get ready. The tribulation was about to start. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. All of those were for that. But look what God's word warns in the book of Hebrews, who was written to the Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For those who say we need to get back to Pentecost, well, heaven help them, and they need to understand God's word. But look what verse 4 tells us about that. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. What was that heavenly gift? It's what's described in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell and empowered them. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world or the age to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. Those that experienced back Pentecost those who saw those sights, saw those signs, saw those wonders, if they walked away, there was no more repentance for them. They couldn't come back and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I, I, I've changed my mind. They were under that. What they really fall under is the unpardonable sin. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's what this is describing. Those that attribute the workings of Satan, or attribute the workings of God to Satan, those that, that saw all of these workings of the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit during that early Acts period and seeing it and believing it and then walking away from it, God's word says there's no more repentance for those who experience that because they did not accept God's word by faith. They accepted what was going on by sight. So it's not back to Pentecost that we desire to go. It's forward Christian soldiers trusting God that regardless of what comes, our faith and our trust is in Him. We do not need signs and wonders and manifestations of things such as that to convince us that God is real, that Christ is coming. But He indwells us and empowers us to take a stand for, for Him. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. He is equal with God. He is God. Here at Bible Fellowship, our doctrinal statement makes it clear that we believe in the triune God. 
One God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're always mentioned together. Matthew 28, or they are mentioned together. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. They're the triune God. The Holy Spirit is God. And right this very moment, He indwells you. God indwells you. He is alive in you. You can trust the power of God to work in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. One of the workings of the Holy Spirit is to provide that that communion that we enjoy with one another. That's the Holy Spirit that does that. It is the Holy Spirit that, that, that reveals. You, ever, you meet somebody for the first time, and you know they're a brother in Christ. There's just that click, isn't there? You just can relate to that individual because you know they're a brother or a sister in Christ. And that communion is sweet. That's the working of the Holy Spirit. He bears witness with our spirit. Romans 8, verse 16 talks about that. That it's the Holy Spirit, that it's this, the Spirit of God that bears witness. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You ever wondered if you were saved? Has that doubt ever come into your mind? And, you know, is this all real? Am I, have I really by faith trusted Christ? And that calmness, that assurance, as we search the Scriptures, just comes flooding over you. It is the Holy Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. But keep this in mind. For the unbeliever, for that person who has never believed that Christ died for their sin, was buried, and rose again, their spirit is dead. Their spirit is dead. They have a body. They have a soul. And just as we worship a triune God, we... It, all the creation, God has manifested himself. Uh, uh, the Trinity is there. So we're without excuse. People say, I just can't understand the Trinity. Well, all you have to do is just look in the mirror. You're a body, you're a soul, you're a spirit. You are a Trinity. God has created you in his image. The entire universe is, is a Trinity. The atom is, uh, uh, is a proton, neutron, and electron. This is Stokes, my science teacher back in the seventh grade, would be proud. But even that is a trinity. The universe it's, itself is a, is a trinity. The universe is, is uh, space, matter, and time. You take away any of those, and it's no longer a trinity. God has made sure that we understand His working. But until a person believes, and it is God that quickens that individual's spirit, the spirit is dead. That person is alive. His body is alive. He's still functioning. His soul is the seat of emotions and fears and, and gladness and happiness. The soul is still functioning. 
which enables that person to believe, by the way. But it's the Spirit that God quickens the moment a person, a lost sinner who is dead in sins and trespasses believes that Spirit is made alive and can commune with God. And it's the Holy Spirit that communes with that Spirit and, and makes intercession and convinces them, bears witness to the fact that we're children of God. See, that's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. That does not leave you wondering what's going on. The Holy Spirit is acting. Look at in our lives. Look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 7. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 7. Some versions do not have this scripture in them. And I've got to tell you, that's unfortunate because I believe this scripture should be in your Bible. 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. See, God's Word bears witness that there are three. But look at verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. See, it's the Holy Spirit that bears witness to the truth of God's Word. John chapter 14, 15, and 16 bears this out verse after verse as the Lord Jesus himself describes the work and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, people say, well, what's the Holy Spirit's name? We refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth. People say, well, did he have a name? And we're going to look at this, but no. No. Because there's only one name that the Holy Spirit is to bear testimony to and about and for. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to take man's attention, man's love, man's focus, and point it to the Lord Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let's start with verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, yet shall uh, live also. At that day shall you know that I, am to my fa- that I am in my Father, and in me, and I in you. Look at verse 26 of John 14. But the Comforter, 
Christ says, I'm going to send another comforter. Christ was comforting them, comforting them up until that point. He says, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send a paraclete. I'm going to send him who is the one that comes be, aside and walks with you and empowers you and, and helps you. Because what was about to come? What was Christ preparing these disciples for at this point? The tribulation. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 10. Christ was preparing them for the coming tribulation, preparing them for the kingdom of heaven that was to be established. And by the way, that's the reason Christ says, I didn't come to bring peace, but what? But a sword because of the coming tribulation. But look at verse 20, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Lord will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. Look at uh, 16, verse 13. John 16, 13. How be it when he... The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you in all truth. And he still does, folks. And where do you find his truth? In the Word of God. In the Word of God. You've got to search it. You've got to study it. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Look at, go back to John 15. Verse 26. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? It's to point you folks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. By the way, we don't, have time, we don't have time to get into this, but on the day of Pentecost, Christ sent the Holy Spirit. Today, it is the Holy Spirit that puts us into Christ. We need to keep that in mind. That's a whole different doctrinal position that is, is a great study. One of these days we'll do that. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. That is the Holy Spirit's role. That is what he is to, to do. And bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that work is being conducted by the Holy Spirit at this very, this very moment. So what, what does God's Word tell us that the Holy Spirit does? Look at John 16, verse 8. John 16, verse 8. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, one of the workings of the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot going on in this world. 
There is so, so much sinfulness. There is so much that is happening in this world right now. But you can be certain that God is going to have his way. His purpose is going to be brought about. Because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. That's when the Lord ascended on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on those kingdom believers and all that transpired at that, at that day. But as we've already said, the Holy Spirit's job is to bear witness, Romans 8, 16. Verse 26 of Romans 8 says his job is to make intercession so that when we go to God and we pray, you can expect God is hearing, God is working. That doesn't mean that everything you pray for, you're going to get. That doesn't mean that every time you pray something, that what you pray for is how it's going to be. And I'll tell you this, I praise God for that truth. Because there are a lot of things that I have prayed, and I look back now, and I go, oh, thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy and not answering that prayer. See, God knows what is best, and I can trust him regardless of the situation. There are certain things I've prayed that I, I was just absolutely not ready for, and there were things that, that would have done harm. So when we pray and we ask God for things, and those things do not materialize, we need to make sure that what we're praying, well, not to make sure, there's no way for us to know. When we pray, Lord, your will be done. We want to pray in the perfect will of God. We want to pray, Lord, you, you have your way and will in this. Yet we, Philippians chapter 4 tells us that we are to make our, our prayers and our petitions and our supplications before God with thanksgiving. And the thanksgiving is not because he's going to do it our way. He's not our sugar daddy. He's not a, a Coke dispenser where we put in the proper coin and God's going to shoot out the, the, the answer to prayer. But what God's word says, he gives us a peace that passes understanding. And that peace comes from the Holy Spirit. But as we pray and we trust Him, we know that He is listening. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 tells us that, that the Spirit of God, He leads. Matter of fact, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And I've got to tell you, it's, or you turn, it's during sermons like this that I miss Neil Wells. I, I miss Brother Wells because when you teach a sermon, I can't tell you how many times in these type of topics, these type of topics, as Neil would be leaving, he'd say, you left something out. I go, yeah, you're right, I just didn't have time. So as I was studying for this, I thought, I wonder if Brother Neil would have pointed this out or if he would have said, oh, you left this out. And I appreciate that kind of accountability. So anybody that wants to take Neil's place, you just go right ahead. But look at Galatians chapter 5. 
Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. The word Spirit there is that new nature, your spirit that has been made alive. The flesh is not arguing against the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit could just go zap. It's this the Spirit is talking about here is that new nature, that that new man that you've been made, that you have flesh, you and it wars against the Spirit, and that battle is raging. But look at verse 18. Well, verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If you be led by the Holy Spirit, and what does the Holy Spirit, how does he lead us? Verse 22 says, well, here's the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know if it's the Holy Spirit leading you? Here's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. I'm not going to, you can go into the works of the fruit of the flesh because you already know that, right? We're way too familiar with the works of the flesh. The word works and the word fruit are the exact same word in the Greek. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit. Actually, it's singular. It's not a whole lot of fruits. It's one fruit that bears witness to these things here. That is the Holy Spirit working in our lives. God's Word tells us that the Holy Spirit teaches. He illuminates the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. And I need about another hour to get through all this because the Holy Spirit does so much. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to point something out to you that we really do need to understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but the Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word. He teaches us the truth of His Word. I mean, after all, all Scripture is given by what? The inspiration of God. That is the, it's God-breathed. It is the Holy Spirit that inspired those writers, that directed them as they wrote the Word of God. It was the Holy Spirit that did that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to look at one of the most misquoted, misunderstood verses in the entire Scripture. Let's start with verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The princes of this world talking about uh, demonic 
beings in high places and, and all. Look at verse 9. But as it is written, it's in Isaiah 64, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And everybody says, oh, heaven is going to be so wonderful because we can't even imagine. Folks, this verse has nothing to do with heaven. Has nothing to do with heaven. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, hath, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What's the next verse say? But God hath revealed them unto us. How? By, by his Spirit. What did God reveal to the Apostle Paul? The glorious truth of the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The salvation that you can know the true and living God. But God has revealed those things. Those things that Isaiah said, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the, the heart of man the things that God prepared for them. Paul is using that scripture to tell this church in Corinth, oh, but God has revealed these things to you. He has revealed them to you by us, by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit that understands and causes you to know spiritual things. You people, you, you study the Word of God and they say, it just makes no sense to me. I just can't get it. You need to take that to the Holy Spirit. You need to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I need for the Holy Spirit to illuminate, for him to un give me understanding of the Scripture. Now we, we now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Scriptures to us. And when you open God's Word and you start studying you can pray to the Lord Jesus, Lord, illuminate. May your spirit illuminate. May the spirit of truth help me to understand what's going on. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. The lost man the, man, the only thing that a lost man can understand is that he is a sinner and that he needs the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that a lost man can really understand. A lost man is not going to be able to, to understand the, the depth of God's Word. The Spirit of God, his Spirit has not been made alive. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of God's Word to us. And we can trust Him to do that. God's Word tells us that He strengthens us, 
Titus 3.5 tells us that we are renewed. He washes all of these glorious truths. Uh, it's what the Holy Spirit does. Ephesians 3.16 talks about the fact that he strengthens us. Romans 8, 8 through 11 talks about the fact that he indwells us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 talks about the fact that our bodies is the temple of God. Who resides? It is the Holy Spirit that indwells. Your body is the temple. It's the dwelling place of God. It's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, that sets us apart. Romans 15, 6, 16, and 19. It is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. It's the Holy Spirit that bears witness with our spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that prays on our behalf. On our behalf. It's the Holy Spirit that helps our infirmities. It's the Holy Spirit that comforts us, according to Acts 9, verse 31. All of these things are the work of the Holy Spirit. But two real quick that I want to finish up with. When a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, He seals you until the day of redemption. When a man or a woman comes to Christ believing the gospel, it is the Holy Spirit's job to set the authenticity, the, uh, to, to seal that person in Christ. And he does it. Look at Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians, chapter one. Start with verse twenty-one. Second Corinthians one, verse twenty-one. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. You know what the earnest is? You ever had to put up earnest money? You ever bought a house? And what do they ask you to do? Down payment. They, they need earnest money to make sure you are going to follow up with that purchase, whether you buy a house or a car well, what the Holy Spirit sealing you is, is God's earnest money. He's saying, this is mine. And you are being sealed in the body of Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Boy, and I love this verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom you also trusted after that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, how do you know that's true? Because God's word says it is. God's word says it is. And by faith, you believe God's word. And you know what the Holy Spirit's job is? It is to convince you, it is by your spirit that he verifies that truth. You read that scripture and it should cause delight. It should cause you to go, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, there's that word earnest, 
which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. You are sealed. God has, God has put earnest money down, verified by the Holy Spirit, until the rapture of the church, until we are resurrected, until the purchased possession, until God calls you home, you have the sealing of the Holy Spirit to verifying that you are a child of God. So regardless of what else is happening in the world, regardless of the threats, regardless of the ridiculous things that people are coming up with, regardless of the, the, the cries to, uh, and all the stuff that's going on, what brings peace is that assurance that you belong to the living God, that you have been sealed until the day of redemption. One more, real quick, and there are others, but, but I want to make sure we understand this one. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How important it is for us to get our mind around this scripture and focus on what takes place the moment that a person believes in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Verse 3, real quick, I left this one out. This would have been one of those that Neil would have said, oh, but you left out verse 3, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaks by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Now just because someone might disagree with me on a doctrinal position, if they can say that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that Jesus Christ is Lord, do you know what? He's going to be with me or I'm going to be with him in heaven. That he is a saved brother in Christ and I can love him and appreciate him and pray for him as he prays for me. But look at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Here you go, verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized, immersed, placed into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and hath made us all to drink unto one Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in this present dispensation, this is at the heart of the mystery that was given to Paul, that during this present time, by grace, Jew and Gentile, apart from God's relationship or God's dealings with Israel, are going to be able to believe that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. And a person, regardless if he's a Jew or a Gentile, is going to be made part of that body that was a mystery that was not revealed in the Old Testament, that was not revealed until God revealed it to the chief of sinners. That when a person believes this body of Christ with him as the glorified head 
This body is going to be made up of believing individuals. How do they get into that body? God's Word tells us that this one baptism, this important baptism, is the spirit baptism that takes place the moment a person believes. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. You are placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And you're sealed into the day of redemption. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to convince you and to prove that and to comfort your hearts as you search the Scriptures. To make sure you understand that standing that you have before a holy, righteous God is perfect because you are in Christ the one that the Holy Spirit is testifying of. How did you get in Christ? You got in Christ through the workings of the Holy Spirit the moment you believed who is active and who is working this very moment. And by the way, when the rapture takes place, Holy Spirit goes nowhere. Holy Spirit stays on earth to convict to do everything that God said he was going to do in the early part of Acts, the Holy Spirit is still the comforter during that tribulation. He's still at heart at work. But guess what's going to be happening during those times? The signs and wonders and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit during that short period of time. But the Holy Spirit's not taken out. We are taken out. And that's when this mortal puts on immortality and this corruptible puts on incorruption. The Holy Spirit's working in your life right now, I hope and pray. I hope that if you're not a believer, the work that the Holy Spirit's doing right now is, is convicting you, is telling you that there is a true God of heaven who loves you, and He loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die for your sins pay the debt that you owe. And if you are saved this morning, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts you whenever you, whatever you get out of line, whenever you sin, whenever you go astray, it is the Holy Spirit. Because he can be grieved. He can be seared. How does that happen? By our actions. Boy, our heart's desire should not be to grieve the Holy Spirit, but to serve God in faithfulness. There's, there are so many others that, that He does in our lives, in the lives of a believer. But the bottom line is, during these wicked days, during these trying days, the Holy Spirit's alive and well. And is at work. And you can trust Him. And my recommendation is that you get in your closet or you get away in a private place somewhere. And you pray. You read God's Word. And you watch what the Holy Spirit does. As He takes what's written here and he illuminates it, and he points you to the Lord Jesus Christ.
See, it's Christ that bears witness. I mean, it's He is the image of the triune God. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's Christ Jesus that in Him is the fullness. John 1.18 tells us that it's Christ that in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. That He is the one who declares. He's the one who reveals the Godhead. Jesus Christ. He represents God. That's why He could say to the apostles, if you, to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because that's who He is. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize that this is such a deep but such a necessary topic. Father, during these trying, difficult days, Father, may we focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and by faith trust that He is at work. The molding and the shaping the directing, the leading that's going on. Father, that is the Holy Spirit. Father, may we be faithful as He leads. Now, Father, we just pray Your blessings on this week as we take a stand for Christ. May You be glorified. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that does not know You as Savior, that this will be the moment that they'll say, yes, Lord. They'll realize that it's not silly, it's not nonsense, it's not a fairy tale. But, oh, Father, that it's true. And that where they spend eternity hangs in the balance. Father, may they believe the gospel. And may they realize that once they've believed the gospel that you do the work in their lives to justify, to redeem, to reconcile, to sanctify. Father, you do all the work. We thank you for that salvation. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.